The Premier League is seen as a promised land, glittering VIP club with rich rewards for its members. But once you've walked through the door and had the rope moved aside for you, the real work truly begins. It's not enough to just sit at the table and nurse your drink, hoping that no one will throw you out. Just like that Norwich City guy who keeps bursting in and then being hurled back out into the street. For at least half the Premier League, it's necessary to fight just to stay in the club to prove you deserve to be there. The bouncers flexing their muscles, ready to throw out three members each and every year. But who are they going to grab this time around? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Nobody's throwing out my top tipping team, starting with Mark O'Hare, I'm pretty sure has never been thrown out of a club in his life. Mark, if we look at the outright market for the relegation battle, Southampton 1.46, they're bottom right now, lost at home to Brentford in midweek. Bournemouth beat Liverpool recently, but are still in the bottom three. 1.82. Forest and Everton locked together on 2.44. Everton a point clear. Forest two ahead of the drop zone. Leeds second bottom, but they're as big as 2.68 for relegation. Then you've got Leicester 5.3, West Ham 5.8 and Palace 6.6. Now, we're going to talk about Palace in depth in our Sunday show as we look ahead to Arsenal Palace. But I have to say that Palace price did scream out to me. What have you made of this relegation battle in the market as it is right now? Yeah, um, I think, first of all, it's worth kind of bearing in mind there's a lot of football still to be played. Um, We might be in mid-March, but most teams still have 12 matches still to play. Um, So there's going to be loads and loads more twists and turns. Um, But at the moment, it looks like we've got a 19 battle for safety, which is remarkable, really, considering... Crystal Palace, as you mentioned, they might be in 12th. They seem to be in 12th all season, all season long, really. <laughs> yeah. um, but they're Never win five... a game ever and always <laughs> end up 12th. Yeah, Exactly. It feels that way, at least this calendar year. But um, they're only five points off, not just the bottom three, but off the bottom of the table, which um, shows how congested this Premier League table really is. And there's going to be so many six-pointers between now and June now because of how congested it is down the bottom. And I think the beauty of this season's um, relegation battle is there's no tide who have been cut off just yet. Um, you know, we've not had a Derby or a Norwich, as you mentioned, Saints are bottom. Um, but if you look at their points tally, Watford finished 19th last season with one, one point more than Southampton have right now, which kind of goes to show how competitive it has been. But yeah, they're, they're the obvious worries. They're the shortest price for, for obvious reasons, only two points from safety. We have seen a slight improvement under Ruben Sellers. They're not the same sort of chaotic team we saw under Nathan Jones or even at the back end of Ralph Hasenhuttle. Uh, I think we all agreed at the time it was a poor decision to let him go. Um, but yeah, they've been quite dull recently. They've tried to tighten up things. Obviously, Wednesday's result was a, was a big kind of bullet for them. Uh, they picked up that point at Old Trafford last weekend and it was their third clean sheet in four, actually, having managed just two clean sheets in their previous 34. And the fact that they'd shut out United, albeit against 10 men, Chelsea and Leicester, goes to show they have improved defensively. But going forward, there's just so little uh, to get excited about there. Um, they had eight shots in the box against 10 man United last weekend. But in their previous three, they managed four, four and five shots in the box. And against Brentford in midweek, just three, despite trailing for an hour. Um, Not good enough, really. You can't rely on James Ward-Prowse and set pieces. They've scored more than one goal just once in the last 22 Premier League games. 
you know, for me, they're the most of concern, as you can see by the price. But a lot of the other teams, you kind of have to treat them a little bit differently now, I think, since January. Bournemouth in particular, after their summer signings, we talked about them last week. I say summer signing, January signings. Uh, we talked about them last week and some players have made a difference. Some haven't been fit enough to feature recently, but um, I can see them improving. But if you look at their, their recent sort of form, they should have beaten Newcastle at home. The Man City scoreline was incredibly harsh compared to the, the balance of play. Created opportunities in that match. Ran Arsenal very, very close to the Emirates. Beat Liverpool, won at Wolves. That's all in the last five games. Um, that's not a bad form line. So Bournemouth at 178. I still expect them to be in the bottom three at the end of the year, but I wouldn't be backing them at that price. Then you've got Everton obviously improving under Sean Dyche and just kind of going back to basics with uh, picking up clean sheets and winning matches at Goodison Park. Could well be enough. You know, it's already sort of pulled them out of the bottom three. And if, if they get Calvert-Lewin fit again, um, Forrest... Oh, there's a big if. Big <laughs> massive. Neon letters about eight <laughs> feet high. Massive if, but it, they're finding ways at the minute. Um, again, probably too reliant on set pieces, but they are finding ways. Um, and then Forrest... Such a Jekyll and Hyde team um, at the city ground to compared to playing away from home. Just four away goals all season. Can they just be so reliant on that home form? I'm starting to worry a little bit about them, particularly because of injuries at centre-half and central midfield. Um, Brennan Johnson might be missing as well for Friday night's match with Newcastle. That's a huge blow if he is absent. But yeah, you mentioned Leeds at 2.66. They're the ones, they're the price that stood out to me. Um, the second bottom, one point from safety. Yeah, they're a bigger price than the three we've already mentioned. Um, I do like Javi Gracia. I think he's a solid coach. He should organise them, make them competitive. We've seen that already. But it is a, a massive, massive difference to Bielsa and Marsh. And you're asking that squad to completely overhaul their style, their philosophy, their approach in just a few weeks in the middle of a relegation battle. So I think a huge amount will rely on, on Bamford and Rodrigo's fitness there. But um, the price was interesting. Uh, and then, yeah, Palace, I would be with Palace, but um, they were 9-1 to one last week. Um, so I'm just being snobby and sort of turning my nose up at 6.6. <laughs> and they have lost back-to-back games 1-0. They actually played pretty well for the first sort of half hour at Brighton in midweek and had three shots on target and, and ended up losing that match. Um, but uh, before that, they'd failed to have a shot on target for three successive Premier League games. First time that's ever happened in the Premier League era. So um, I think the thing with Palace is and particularly West Ham actually as well is a possible change in the dugout um Vieira seems to be on his last legs if things go Pete Tong against Arsenal on Sunday he probably will be gone we've got an international break coming up too which you know is a a great opportunity to to look for an alternative I'm not sure who is in the running there or who's been sort of mentioned but you've got coaches like Rafa Benitez sniffing around for for a job and you know that you'd have to agree that would probably be a a big upgrade on what Vieira is offering right now and the frustrating thing with Palace is defensively the framework is there to be competitive and they have got players of ability in forward areas but it's just not clicking at the minute so um, and Wolves you think will be fine Leicester and West Ham obviously interesting but we could go on and on I could carry on sort of talking about these teams but I yeah like I didn't even mention Wolves actually but I that's been the really interesting thing I think about them I will see what Stinch thinks in a minute actually but the feeling since Julian Lopetegui came in was oh they'll be fine That'll be all right because he's such a good coach. I know they've kind of been up and down, but they seem all right, don't they? Yeah, and it wasn't just Lopetegui either. I really like their business in January just to shore up the spine of the side. Um, Dawson and Lamina coming in, uh, Sarabia, Cunha, 
I know he's not made a huge difference already, but um, Adama as well has been sort of phased back in and showing what he's capable off the bench. Um, but yeah, Lopetegui will organise you, make you competitive. I still think there's enough players of ability in forward areas, despite not having a, a standout goal scorer, to, to get them the points they need. And if you look at their running, actually, they've got six home games against teams outside of the top seven. Uh, only Arsenal and United away from home in terms of like the really toughest trips. So yeah, they've got that three-point cushion already. I, I think they'll be okay. I'd be more concerned, actually, about, about West Ham uh, and even Leicester, actually, um, teams you we kind of expecting to pull away all season, and it's just not happening at the minute. But uh, I think at West Ham, at least, there might be wriggle room in terms of the manager or the managerial's position if, if things continue to go awry. So, yeah, fascinating. Um, but as I say, huge amount of football still to play. But uh, leads at the price um, would be the one that worries me most. Leicester don't really seem to have accepted that they're in a relegation battle and I think that could be quite important psychologically. If you're wondering who is this stinch character they're talking about if you've never heard the show before I can tell you who it is. The master of maths, odds compiler, tipster par excellence, Mark Stinchcomb with us once again. Stinch, just on that Leicester point We've talked before about how Brendan Rodgers seems to completely separate himself from what's going on sometimes. And he talks about, oh, I thought our work was tremendous. I thought this, I thought that. And they've lost again. Yeah, I mean, he must be another one that's in the conversation, though, for next managers to go. Although Yeah, that seems, you'd have that to seems, think so. It seems to be happening for a while, but <clears throat> you think with the players they have available, probably similar to Palace in forward areas, they're not. He's not getting nowhere near enough out of them on a on a consistent basis. I think that's the issue because they can just blow so hot and cold. It's very difficult to have a gauge on exactly what Leicester you're going to see when they turn up. Having said that, I thought they were unlucky against uh, Chelsea. They created a lot of good chances, um, but you know they didn't take them, and, and ultimately that's 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 been their undoing um, at times. But there are matches where they have created next to nothing as well. So it's just this hot and cold. You just don't know what you're going to get. Um, in terms of the relegation battle, I think it's I think it's absolutely fascinating. I think it could be, you could almost make a case for any of these teams, I think. So I, I yeah. tried to have a look at their remaining fixtures to try and get a, a gauge of exactly what, what we're up against or what they're up against. Uh, I looked at the average position of the opposition that they're going to face so there's only five points separating 12 to 20th the 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 infamous bottom nine you've got Southampton at one to four Everton at 13 to eight based on their remaining fixtures against uh, the average opposition of their remaining fixtures they have the worst fixtures so their average opposition will be ninth and they've only got four matches against the bottom nine Forest who are six to four they also only have four matches against the bottom nine Palace, 9-2, to two, have got the best set of fixtures based on these metrics. Their average opponents are 13th, and they've got eight matches against the bottom nine. So the future's in their hands, really. Yeah. Uh, Leicester at 4-1, to one, we spoke. Bournemouth, 8-13, to 13, and Leeds, 6-4. to four. They've all got six games against the bottom nine. So again, I feel like their future is in their own hands. In terms of like tricky runs, three of Southampton's next five are against the top four based on the fact that I mentioned they've got the worst fixtures and they've got a difficult run coming up, I think they they could be gone. Uh, three of Leeds' last four are against the top five, so it's absolutely imperative that they pick up points immediately, especially as they have all these six games against the bottom nine. You know, if you're not winning and you end up losing, that means your opponents, there is, you know, the, the, the six-pointers, they are, they are true, basically. Everton's next three are against Chelsea, Spurs and Man United. 
I mentioned they've got the worst fixtures. They could be another one that's essentially gone. Not been a huge upturn since Dyche arrived. I know they, they beat Arsenal and I know they won their last game. But they are playing on very fine margins without a reliable goal scorer. Uh, and you guys mentioned Wolves, 6-1. to one. They play Arsenal and City in their last three, who I imagine there'll still be a title race going on at that point. So I, again, I think it's imperative that they pick up points before they get to that stage. I think the other game in that final three is against Everton. So that could be that could be enormous. The only side I didn't mention there were West Ham at 7-2. to two. The average position of their opponents is 10th and they've got five matches against bottom nine. So that's kind of in between everybody else. They're only outside of the relegation zone on goal difference. And a concern here would be, will their European run get in the way? Because I think we saw last season, this sort of malaise that they're in, it kind of began around this time last season. They only won two of their last nine fixtures. Now, that's understandable. They were fine in the league and they had a fantastic opportunity of making the Europa League final. And, you know, to knock out Lyon and Sevilla, you know, that's really, really incredible, I think. Um and obviously, Europa Conference League, they're, they're one of the favourites for it. So yeah, well, they, they should. I mean, you know, that's not to denigrate the teams that are in it because there are some really excellent teams in it and teams like RZ who are playing really well in, in the Netherlands. But they should win that, shouldn't they? Given the resource about, they have. I don't know about win that, but I think semi-finals probably sort of the expectation at least. And, you know, then you're dreaming about making a final. Um, so, yeah, I think they could easily get swayed by by undistracted by European aspirations. So yeah, if I, I I couldn't find a market, but there might be one a bit nearer as we get close to the end of the season. But I would probably try and look at maybe like a relegation treble at sort of a big price for a bit of fun. And I'd probably start off with Southampton and Everton because the odds that drive these relegation markets are based on their forecasted odds for the rest of the season and as I mentioned they've got the hardest fixtures based on the league table yes we know the league table can lie but the majority of teams are where they deserve to be within the league table so I'd look at maybe Southampton Everton to start and then perhaps throw in somebody like Forrest as I say they've they've got uh, I'd say the the hardest fixtures after that and as Mark mentioned they just don't do anything away from home and I don't think they can afford to rely just on home fixtures you know there's not uh, as you guys mentioned there's not a Norwich not a Derby no offence to those teams or a Watford sorry no offence to them that are <laughs> cut adrift and you've only yeah. got two slots or it's one true slot. though isn't it it's true yeah. this is unusual normally we see one team that's utterly hopeless and it's like why they're like gone by now but that just hasn't happened yeah it kind of reminds me i think it was the was it 2004-2005 season where we went to the last day and i think there was four teams that could go down in two slots i think it was norwich and crystal palace that ended up going down in the end yeah. uh, i think southampton might have beaten man united or possibly yes. on the last yes, day I think Crouch, right that maybe year. um so yeah, I think I think it could go down to the final day, and if the title race goes down to the final day as well, then wow, we've got a really exciting twelve remaining games of the season. And it's going to be tremendous. We are making a few changes to our great daily offers here at Betfair. You now have to opt into promotions to enjoy the rewards available on both the sportsbook and the exchange. You can opt in quickly and easily by clicking a promotional banner or going straight to the promotions page and clicking opt in. There is a step-by-step guide on betting.betfair.com. Now, one of the teams in the mix is Nottingham Forest. They've got a home game against top four chasing Newcastle. Stinch has been a rough run for Forest recently. As you mentioned, they're utterly hopeless away from home. So it puts so much pressure on their performances at the city ground. 
Yeah, I mean, that collapse away at West Ham, who are obviously a fellow relegation candidate, concede four goals in the second half, I think kind of just encapsulates their their bad performances. Yeah, that was um, dreadful. They made West Ham look like 1970s Brazil. It was utterly bizarre, <laughs> that game. And, and last weekend against Tottenham, if there's ever a time to play Tottenham, it's after they weekly go out of the Champions League during the week. They have players that are complaining to the manager about lack of game time. And, you know, they they lose that one really tamely as well. So, yeah, huge, huge pressure. I think we are all big fans, though, of Steve Cooper. And I yeah. think ultimately, you know, we are on his side. Uh, we understand the, the huge, I think, volatility in performances because of the huge player turnover. And we understand why that player turnover has happened because of, uh, they, they need, they had such a small squad after all the loans and et cetera had expired. So I don't think any of us are like criticizing their approach or whatever I think we understand that it, it does take time to, to bed in all these different players um, but you know coming up against a, a Newcastle team that um, obviously sort of got back on bounce back last weekend against Wolves with that with that victory um, although you know they haven't they haven't picked up as many wins as perhaps maybe people would expect you know if you look purely at the league table they've won 11 drawn 11 yeah um, that doesn't paint necessarily a picture of a team that you know regularly goes off odds on so the bet I'm looking at here is uh, under two and a half goals around about 1.83 on the exchange we mentioned how poor Forrest have been away from home they picked up 20 of their 26 points at home and in terms of goals at the city ground it's 32 goals in their 13 home games so less than two and a half per game and then you look at Newcastle away from home, it's just 25 goals in their 12 away games. So only just over two per game. And then you just look purely on sort of over, uh, over under two and a half goal stats. Nine of Forest's 13 at home have gone unders and 11 of Newcastle's last 16 uh, overall have gone unders. And I think one of the reasons both sides have low lower scoring games is that because home and away respectively, they both average less than 50% possession. So I think both are more comfortable containing rather than going on the offensive. And I know he, he conceded four away at West Ham, but I do think Kaylor Navas could be the difference maker for Forrest in the end. I do think he's an upgrade in yeah. goal. I do like Dean Henderson, but you know I think we, we've seen goalkeepers do get better with age. Um, so I do think Henderson does have a, a huge ceiling. Um, you look at Navas' six games so far, he's got a negative post-shot expected goals. But if you look at uh, him since 2017, when records are available, he's actually posted plus 11.9. So... I'm expecting some regression to the mean here, uh, especially as he gets more familiar with the defence and the team as a whole. So, yeah, very tricky, I thought, uh, Premier League matches this weekend. uh, But I thought under two and a half goals, I think, is the way to start on Friday night. Chelsea have found some form under Graham Potter with forwards like Kai Havertz and Joao Felix finally starting to fire on a consistent basis. They take on Everton. Mark, how do we see this going? Because... Chelsea now have that if you look at their performance against Dortmund, for example, Havertz really kind of imposed himself on the game. Joao Felix did the same thing. Everton, one presumes, are going to try and contain, try and stay organised. But Chelsea do actually have those match winners now, don't they? Yeah, and Mudrick came off the bench last week when Felix had a bit of a knock at half time and also made a big impact too. So Potter's got a few options. Um 
you know, despite my kind of obvious resentment to, to Chelsea as a football club, I'm, I'm really quite pleased <laughs> for Potter um, on a personal level because, you know, the pressure's not off. Of course it's not. But the Champions League progress and doing it so impressively in back-to-back games uh, against Dortmund and him actually picking up wins domestically too has at least dampened that pressure on him for maybe a week or two before he... Before Chelsea lose again, but um, yeah, beating Leicester last week was actually their first away win since October, um, which was quite outrageous, really, wow. for a club of of their stature. But um, I think what's curious about the Leicester game was Potter made the point that um, you know Chelsea had been playing well, but not necessarily getting the results during their lean spell, which was kind of true to a certain point, but they weren't sort of dominating matches in the way we probably expect them to. But last weekend at the King Power, as Stinch alluded to earlier, Chelsea were definitely second best and actually pretty poor, but they did well to take kind of low probability chances, really. Um, Now, you could say that's football levelling itself out a little bit, but um, Chelsea had taken 12 or more shots uh, in a Premier League game 14 times this season and scored more than two goals just once. Uh, Against Leicester, they scored three goals, uh, having had exactly 12 shots, uh, but faced 17 and conceded 2.5 expected goals. So it was the first time in 18 Premier League games they'd scored three goals or more in a game. Uh, and I don't think their issues are solved suddenly just because the results have, have certainly suggested that. So um, I think from a neutral perspective, um, they're not really my bag of, you know, I'm not, I'm not really keen on them at such a shy shy price here against uh, Everton, um, you know, expected to kind of... I'm so intrigued clear. as to what that bag of was going to be. Cup of tea, <laughs> then it changed to tea bag. What was it going to be in your mind? Uh, we, we stopped and we moved on, Kev. That's what happens. My mind <laughs> okay. goes jumping all over the place. Um but yeah, this, I don't think this is a, a gimme at all for Chelsea, just because in the way in which you set that question up, really, about Everton's style and approach. Um, we saw last week against Brentford, textbook Sean Dyche, um, scoring early, playing of intensity, sort of battening down the hatches in the second half, defending deep and narrow, forcing crosses, forcing teams to shoot from distance. You know, it's the Burnley blueprints all over again. Um won't be the most watchable, but um, I think they'll be difficult for Chelsea to try and break down. Um, now, obviously, when they went to Arsenal, you look at the final result and say, well, they got absolutely a, a kicking there by one of the best teams in the league. Uh, but actually, they played really well for the fo- for the first half until the opening goal, which was a brilliantly taken ma- taken goal from Saka. Um, they were very much in that game um, before then. So if they can follow a similar blueprint, I think they can be competitive in this match. Um, and I think there has been sort of question marks over Chelsea's ability to to unlock these deep line defences, um, despite their their improvement recently. So you know they're not scoring freely. Everton certainly aren't. They scored five goals and seven under Dyche and only two from open play. Uh, that was last week and also Seamus Coleman's goal against Leeds. Uh, since the resumption of the Premier League on Boxing Day, six of their nine goals have been from set pieces. Calvert-Lewin is still a massive doubt for this. So again, similar to Stinch, I'm looking at under two and a half goals. It's 1.8. Just felt quite logical to me. Um, it's a winner in five of seven under Dyche in eight of 13 Everton away games as well as six of their seven at top half teams. Um, and also 16 of Chelsea's last 18 in the Premier League have gone under two and a half goals, including eight of 12 at the bridge. And actually six of their last seven at home have gone under one and a half goals, let alone two and a half goals in the Premier League. So yeah, Chelsea obviously favourites to win this match. If they do so, I think it'll be a narrow victory. So happy to oppose goals. Just thinking what a Sean Dyche textbook would look like. It'd have no design on it whatsoever. I imagine it'd be grey. They would just say textbook on the front uh, this football season get a helping hand with betfair's popular bet builder easily add our most popular or fan favorite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap t's and c's in the description 18 plus see gambleaware.com 
Org. More Premier League to come, but let's hop across to the German Bundesliga. Borkum, excellent last weekend, annoyingly excellent in their Friday night win at Köln, because I had Köln on the handicap, but they face a tough task against an RB Leipzig side that had its pants pulled down uh, for all the world to see by Erling Haaland and Manchester City in midweek. Haaland scored five, City scored seven. Stinch, I thought Leipzig were genuinely awful. I was shocked by how bad they were. I think you can obviously accept losing to City. That happens. You can accept Erling Haaland having a great night against you. Fine. But the amount of basic errors, the poor defending at set plays, it was hopeless. Yeah, it just seemed the longer the match went on, the worse they got, basically. Yeah. Um, really, really poor way, obviously, to exit the Champions League after leaving themselves with a you know a better than a better than a fighter's opportunity to get through after drawing the first leg 1-1 where they didn't actually have much of the game in in that one either so and obviously it was so we've... panicky like a 2-0 down city just kept giving them the ball in their own defensive third and every time leipzig got it it just went ah we don't know what to do like timo Werner looked like he never played the game before it was very very strange very yeah strange. And and we know that Leipzig have got so many exciting options in in attack. So to really not utilize kind of any of that, or maybe or not even be able to get on the same wavelength enough to you know facilitate some opportunities to leave at least come away with something positive out of the game because they they need they need to sort of wake up again this this weekend because they're in a battle for top four, no doubt about yeah. it. You know, Freiburg, Union, Frankfurt, they're all challenging. And now Leipzig, rather than sort of thinking about challenging for the title, they're now looking over their shoulders. They've still got a great chance, obviously, in the DFB Pokal as well. So they need to, need to, need to uh, refresh themselves, I would say. And I guess no better team to maybe do that against than, than Bochum, though. <laughs> should, should really give them... Uh, an opportunity to to get back uh, to confidence, I, w- I would say. I mean, Borkham conceded uh, the most goals in the league, uh, ten more than anyone else. So definitely should be opportunities for them this weekend. But they're they're one to two away at Borkham, which looks you know ex- ex- expected. Um, but I think the the price that stands out for me is um, is goals again, um, over two and a half goals, four to six. So I'm just going to push that up, um, make it a little bit more. Uh, recreational and go over 2.75 goals on the exchange around about 1.9 so <clears throat> so if we see three goals half stakes win ha- half stakes push so four goals we'll see a, a full payout um yeah i mean you mentioned that uh victory at cologne last weekend bit of a burglary you know they had a penalty uh, i don't know you know i thought they were excellent i think that's as good as i've since they came into the league I can only think on the fingers of one hand like how many good performances they've had away from home. They were great at Dortmund last year. But this was... Yeah, they got they got the early penalty. I totally agree with that. After that, I was amazed by how well they defended. Because yeah, they, yeah, yeah. That's just not like them away from home. But they were properly rock solid. It probably worked in their favour, really, that they didn't have to think about how to attack the game because they took the lead and they thought, right, we'll hold what we've got. 
because they yeah. only had like what 33 percent possession or something i think yeah so and it's essentially how well you could c- contain this cologne team and they did yeah. yeah as you say they did a great job of it um i'm hoping that's not the way this goes this weekend um <laughs> i think it's, i think it's a lot of different tests obviously leipzig yeah. uh, rather yeah. than cologne but yeah i mean they'd lost their four previous games before that uh, game against cologne and the fact that they're only two points clear of the drop zone um, knowing that the defence is a bit of a sieve, it was uh, it was imperative that they picked that victory up. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at them pu- and sort of purely statistically, 67% of Borkham's games go over 2.5 goals. It's 75% for Leipzig, um, 75% of them away as well. Um, you look at Borkham against the, the elite teams in the Bundesliga, 7-0 and 3-0 defeats for Bayern. 3-0 and 2-1 v Dortmund, 4-0 in the reverse v Leipzig. Um, it's just one clean sheet at home all season. Uh, and even Schalke scored two when Schalke went there. Yeah. I know Schalke have improved, but <laughs> um, you don't want to be conceding goals to your relegation rivals. Uh, and then your Leipzig games against the sides at the bottom of the table generally are very goal heavy as well. Three all against Augsburg, 6-1 v Schalke, 3-2 v Hertha. Um, so, I, you know, I've, I've got Leipzig capable of clearing the line themselves, but actual fact, that could, I think that there's a potential that could happen at both ends. Um, yeah. I, I fully, I could easily see both teams scoring here and then yeah you just have to sort of one more goal to to get some profit so yeah I, I was quite surprised to see um it the line kind of set over 2.5 I definitely think it should be uh I think I think we there'll be more goals in the game that the market expects so I think you know 1.9 I think is a, a good bet on Saturday Sticking with the Bundesliga, I'll back Jonas Hofmann to score for uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach against Werder Bremen on Friday night. 2.96 he is to score. He was absolutely outstanding against Bayern in Gladbach's recent win. Now, they have hit a really rough patch since then, had some dreadful performances away from home, but they do tend to operate better at home and they face a Verde team with one of the worst defensive records in the division. Verde this season have lost 6-1 at Bayern, 7-1 at Köln. They look really shaky defensively in last weekend's 3-2 defeat to Bayer Leverkusen. And the narrative with them recently has been about making awful mistakes at the back. And it's kind of reminiscent really of the last time they went down I think they're going to be okay I don't think they will go down uh, but they're certainly not playing well after a really good start to the season and Stinch you've got another game from the German top flight for us yeah another overs uh, bet for me I'm very surprised you know the Bundesliga is averaging 3.17 goals per game this season it's an increase from last season of 3.12 obviously only a very slight increase but we can see it's fairly stable so I'm very surprised that uh, so I'm looking at Stuttgart v Wolfsburg uh, Stuttgart very slight favourites but I'm not sure I'm not sure I agree with that but uh, I think St- definitely... do you know what it's really interesting you say that because I completely agree with you there is a really weird quirk and there's obviously something syndicates have decided or the market makers have decided that Stuttgart at home are worth backing. I I don't understand it. They've been terrible for a lot of this season. And even last season, when they were on really poor form, you were seeing them come up at way shorter odds than you could reasonably expect. So, I, yeah, I don't get it at all. For them to be favourites against Wolfsburg is completely divorced from reality, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I recall Stuttgart kind of being odds-on against some of their relegation rivals. And it's like, okay, I can understand them being favourites, but not odds-on. You know, It's like, have you ever watched them play? It's like, (laughs) just, it's very strange. 
Because they're very flaky. Um, like, for example, against Bayern recently in that home game, I thought they were excellent. They were really good. Pushed Bayern hard at the end, although Bayern, I think, went to sleep a little bit as we got towards the end of the game. But a lot of the time, they're very naive. They've got lots of young players in there who are not quite up to it. Yeah, it's a strange one. Yeah, and I think that's the the beauty of, of going for goals. I mean, my original thought was, right, who are Wolfsburg playing this weekend? Because they've just been scoring for absolute fun yeah. recently. 34 goals in the last 15 games. You know, It's coming from all areas of the pitch and not reliant on one or two players to, to hit the net. So, yeah, I mean, you could maybe, if you, if you didn't want to back over 2.5, you could maybe back over 1.5 Wolfsburg team goals instead. Um, yeah. You know, if you... But I just think, uh, given the, the Bundesliga, it's just uh, uh, play it safe, basically, and just take goals overall in the match. Um, but yeah, you may, we talked about Stuttgart there. They haven't, they failed to win nine of the last ten. Um, so rather bizarre that they are they are favourites. I'd probably say maybe Wolfsburg should be sort of six to four faves, something like that. So maybe you could even back Wolfsburg draw no bet or something. But again, yeah. I, I I just I just feel with the because of the Bundesliga, the the talent that's available gets picked off by bigger leagues, if you like, or bigger teams. They are focused on youth and, and talent. And just with that, you just get so much volatility. So I find it difficult sometimes to trust some of the lower teams, even though you might think they are fantastic. They obviously have the ability to to be fantastic but the consistency is lacking a little bit so just prefer to to focus on the goals um i mean stuttgart have only failed to score in three of the last 14 so they're scoring goals but they're just conceding you know at least two a game as well yeah. so i think that's the, the beauty of it and, and the two games they failed to score in were, were away to dortmund and leverkusen so i don't think that's that bad but yeah again you look statistically purely uh stuttgart 14 of the last 19 over 2.5 74 wolfsburg 12 of the last 17 over 2.5 71 and a price of 10 to 11 suggests we've only got a 52 percent chance of the bet winning so pff, seems like an easy decision to me i mean when they met earlier in the season uh wolfsburg won 3-2 and there was over four expected goals in the game and I just want three here. So, yeah, very shocked. I would have the line 2.75, maybe even three at a push. Yeah, fully agree with that. Back to England then. And Mark, one of the memes about Brendan Rodgers down the years has been his repeated use of the phrase character. You know, the word character. We showed a lot of character, etc., etc. Leicester haven't showed a lot of character in a lot of their games recently. They're not in a happy place at all. And they go to a Brentford team that's generally pretty strong at home. Brentford's round about just a smidge over evens, aren't they? And that seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah, I gave Brentford uh, the big build-up last week and they go and lose their first Premier League game in 13. Um, the <laughs> one that started way back in mid-October. Only their fifth, fifth Premier League defeat of the season, uh, which again, is, is just a remarkable return for a club of Brentford's stature. Uh, and just the sixth time they'd failed to score in 26 league games. But I'm not going to desert them yet because they bounced back impressively at Southampton in midweek. They allowed just seven shots in that match despite leading for well over an hour and scoring the second goal late on. Very controlled, very efficient, very effective. Brentford performance, utilising set pieces and just squeezing the life out of Saints. Um, and that's what they've been doing really well this season. So I agree. I think odds against on Brentford to, to win at home to a bottom half team is, is an appealing uh, angle to take here. Um, you know, immediately you, you get attracted to that price. This is a team that's won 7 of 13 at home in the Premier League this season. Lost just once at home, which was against Arsenal. Uh, and they're actually ranked sixth on expected points in the Premier League this season, which goes to show that their league position is no fluke. 
and they're playing a Leicester team who are just, you know, they're erratic at best. Um, they've lost four in the spin now, scoring just once in that sample. They've actually failed to score in six of 11 since the World Cup break. Uh, I know Madison's been missing for a few of those matches and Harvey Barnes is an injury doubt as well, but even still... Um, they're only outside but they're so the reliant zone. on Madison, and it's feeble, isn't it? Because I know he hasn't been able to strengthen the squad in the way that he wanted, and he hasn't been able to spend money, and I get that. But, I mean, to be so reliant on one particular player at this stage, given the money they did make from the Champions League and the fact that they finished fifth in back-to-back -back seasons, it's not great squad building, is it, really? No, it's not. They did make some moves in, in January, which did help. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's... Madison, I sometimes think... I wouldn't say he gets overpraised, but he almost takes the bulk of the praise for Leicester when things go well. When actually Harvey Barnes has been almost just as he, as influential. Uh, maybe not the, the same sort of output, but in terms of creativity and, and being a menace in the final third, he's been just as good as Madison, I would say. Um, Ian Acho had that sort of uh, purple spell, which, uh, you know, he seems to be off the radar again. Daka was back in the team. Vardy's obviously a fading force, but they do have players of promise in the forward areas. Um, but clearly the issue is, is defensively. Um, they're outside the drop zone on goal difference. They've lost um, what was a, a joint league high 16 Premier League games before Saints lost in midweek. They've lost 9 of 13 away and they've lost 12 of 15 against the top half. So you know, Brentford at odds against immediately stands out. Uh, the only concerns I have here is the, the Wednesday to Saturday turnaround and the fact that Leicester did actually play really well against Chelsea last time out. That 3-1 was, was quite a harsh reflection on the balance of play. Madison is fit as well. So you could make a, a case for Leicester, but it wouldn't be the strongest because defensively, they've only stopped... The teams that they stopped scoring since the World Cup are MK Dons, Walsall and Gillingham. Um, they've allowed <laughs> 10 or more shots in each of the last 16 Premier League matches. They rank sixth for shots conceded. Uh, they've also allowed the third most expected goals in the division. No one's conceded a higher XG figure away from home than Leicester. 2.13 on average. And if you look at their 11 Premier League games since the World Cup, they're giving up 1.95 XG on average and nine shots in the box. Um, just horrendous figures, really. So I feel like it's been that that way for ages as well, because I'm sure Jake's been telling us about the InfoGoal XG data for ages that Leicester routinely give up around 1.9, sometimes over two. I mean, that's yeah. not sustainable in the long term, is it? But it seems to have gone on for ages. It's not. And I guess they were kind of helped out in the early part of the season by the likes of Madison and Barnes scoring those goals, those worldies from outside the box, which isn't sustainable. So um, I like Brentford here. You can back them to win and over one and a half goals, boosting the price to, to about 2.4, uh, which does appeal to me. Just looking at the raw figures, Brentford have won seven of 13 as home, at home, as I mentioned. They scored twice or more in eight of 13 at home. They averaged 2.08 goals per game at home. And as I say, Leicester have lost nine of 13 away, conceded twice or more in nine of 13 away and give up 2.23 goals per game on average away from home, which is bang in line with what the XG is telling us as, as well. So, you know, if you exclude the bottom six, uh, this bet has won in seven of Leicester's nine away days. So, yeah, uh, quite eager to get on the Bs again this week. My theory about Kelechi Iheanacho is that he has an identical twin. And sometimes the real Kelechi Iheanacho plays and looks absolutely amazing. And then as a prank, they get the useless twin to come in. And then he plays and misses a ton of chances from 10 yards out. That's the only explanation I can find for his inconsistency. Uh, Mark, you want to take us to the Dutch Eerste Divisie? Of course you do. Uh, to check in with one of the promotion favourites. 
Yeah, uh, Pekzwala, they're heading back to the Eredivisie. Uh, they're top. They've won 21 of 29 games. They're 15 points clear of third with nine games to play and they play against Nak Breda on Friday night. Uh, would fancy them to win this match. Obviously, they're a cut above the rest of the division. Uh, they've won 10 of 14 at home, including a 13-0 win at the start of March. Um, the, <laughs> their home matches do tend to be pretty wild. 4.4 goals per game on average, the bulk of which are, of course, Beck Swallows. Um, but yeah, despite that dominance, they have actually conceded in 11 of their 14 home fixtures, um, which kind of ties in with the, the Easter Divisi being just... Um, a bonkers division for goals, uh, not quite as, as mad as it used to be, but still quite entertaining. Seven of their 10 home wins have seen both teams scoring, uh, with 10 of their 14 home matches seeing both teams scoring as well. So Knack aren't on the same level, of course they're not, but they are in the playoff places. They tend to be very front foot. They've scored in 26 of 29 league games. 22 of those matches saw both teams scoring. Away from home, 12 or 14 saw BTTS. 13 of those 14 went over two and a half goals. So Pekzwala are around 1.25 to win this match. For Peck to win and over two and a half goals, it just boosts the price to about 1.66. However, Peck to win and BTTS jumps us from 1.25 to 2.62, which is a massive increase for a bet that's had a 50% hit rate already in all of their home matches, as well as uh, Nack Brader's penchant for, for getting goals as well. Uh, six of their seven away defeats have seen BTTS land. They've already been to second place Heracles and lost 5-1. So fully expecting goals and fully expecting a Pex Voller win. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so influential that the real reason Julia Roberts didn't go to see Pep Guardiola and Manchester City was that she was researching potential hackers from the Swedish Allsvenskan. Uh, now how this works is each of us uh, come up with a selection from the weekend's action and lovely traders uh, wrap that up in a boosted treble. The treble did land last week, although we did have a postponement of one of the games, so that reduced our winning price to five to two but still a decent payout for any of you that got involved i'm going to start i'm going to start with the fa cup i'm going to go with brighton against grimsby and i'm going to go for over three and a half goals at 1.94 because i think the way that deserby operates they play the same way every time. They want to flood forward. Grimsby have been very impressive in this FA Cup run. They, of course, knocked out Southampton and look pretty front foot in doing so. So I think we could well get over three and a half goals here at 1.94. Stinch, I'll go with you. I'm going to go for Forest Newcastle under 2.5 goals. Uh, just quick one as well, Kev. Don't forget to back <clears throat> the Wrexham, Notts County, both teams to score and win yes. double. 8-1 to one plus this week. They're just 6-4 to four both to win. Uh, last time they played, they both had a score draw. So very, very close, I would say, for it to come in. Yeah, so keep an eye on that one as the season progresses. Uh, Mark, take us home. Um, I am going to back Alloa to beat Clyde in Scottish <laughs> League 1. <laughs> okay. Um, more details to come in Scottwatch. Excellent. And talking of that, I'm not going to make you wait. I wouldn't do that to you. I'm not cruel. It's Scott Watch. Oh, aye. It's Scott Watch. Mark, take it away. Well, yeah, you already mentioned that the weather put pay to our double last weekend. Uh, it became a short price single, uh, but it did win. Um, so hopefully we'll get the games back on this weekend in Scotland. Uh, just following the very same formula we had a fortnight ago, um, sort of opposing the, the terrible twosome in Scottish League One, which is Peterhead and Clyde. 
because they're playing away from home again this weekend and they are absolutely pitiful. Um, Peterhead, bottom with just 12 points. Clyde, one place above them with 14 points. Clyde are 18 points adrift of the next side in the division. These two teams have combined to lose 38 of their collective 57 league matches and they've combined for a minus 78 goal difference when put together. So pretty shocking stuff. (laughs) What what fun! (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> We're going to back Airdrie to beat uh, Peterhead and Aloha to beat Clyde. The double comes in at around about 2.05, which I think is uh, more than attractive. Uh, Airdrie have won 7 of 13 at home. They average 2.46 home goals. They have won 5 of 6 matches against uh, Peterhead or Clyde this season. Aloha have won 9 of 13 at home. They average 2 goals per game at home. They've also won 5 of 6 matches against Peterhead or Clyde this season. But as we know, this wager is all about opposing Peterhead and Clyde. They have each played 14 away games this season. Put together, that's 28. They've lost 23 of those. They've scored 15. They've conceded 68. They've kept no clean sheets and they've failed to score in 19 of those 28 away days. Peterhead have scored one goal in their last nine away days. That's almost 14 hours of football. Uh, And Clyde have failed to score in their last six away and have taken one point on their travels since August. So pretty disgraceful stuff. So quite happy to oppose them again. Um, Culture Corner, nothing quite as exciting as last week. Um, But um, up front for Aloha these days is uh, former Wigan and Derby forward Connor Salmon. Um, amazing. He's only actually 36 years old. I thought he must be about 46 by now. He's been around (laughs) the block a few times, still anything but prolific as a striker. But um, yeah, as well as his kind of horrendous record in front of goal, he's perhaps most famous for a photo that was taken during his days at Partick Thistle. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but if you haven't, uh, absolutely Google it or Twitter search it. He earned a a Man of the Match award uh, immediately after a Partick Thistle game. Uh, in his full kit, he was basically awarded a free pizza from Pizza Express, and his facial expression is an absolute delight. So <laughs> go and check that out. Was that terrifying mascot in the background? <laughs> is it Kingsley, they call it? Yeah, yeah. I, I can never work out if it's my favourite mascot of all time or my least favourite because it's so terrifying. If you haven't seen Parsic Thistle's mascot, that is well worth checking out. Look at Scott Watch branching off into lots of wonderful directions. Sadly, that's all we have time for on this edition of football only better please do remember to gamble responsibly please do remember to google the partick thistle mascot kingsley Uh, lots of excellent content on our website betting.betfair.com if you're listening to this before the end of the cheltenham festival lots of good preview content ahead of the gold cup as well from stinch from mark and from me it's goodbye for now